Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I am so excited for this episode and to welcome my special guest, Sarah Anderson. Sarah is a certified personal development and life coach for teen girls and young women. She lives in San Diego, California, and coaches girls all over the country. She is certified through Teen Wisdom Life Coaching, Institute for Integrated Nutrition, and the Dr. Sears Wellness Institute. She is the founder of The Real Girl Lifestyle, where she works with girls one-to-one, leads small groups, and speaks nationally about girl empowerment. In her coaching sessions, Sarah focuses on developing the teen's strength and using creative tools and strategies to help them face challenges and obstacles with confidence. Sarah is also the director of the Graced by Grit Foundation, which provides opportunities for girls to discover and develop their grit through empowerment events and a student athletic scholarship fund. Sarah, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, let's dive right in and talk about these beautiful teens. And I'd love to start with our role as parents in their lives. Can you share a little bit about the importance of being a parent in a teenager's life right now, especially teen girls, since that's your specialty? Yes. So the parent role in a teenager's life is so important. And I know a lot of parents of teens complain or laugh that they thought, you know, the infant or the the toddler stage was going to be the most challenging. And then they get to the teenage stage And now they have this, you know, full human being who has its own thoughts and um, developing their own values. And sometimes that can collide with the parents. And so I think a lot of parents of teens um, take a step back and and think, oh, well, they're a teenager they know what they're doing. And I see it as the teenager is still a kid. You know, their bodies are growing and their brains are still growing. And so I think the parent's role of a teenager is to find that balance of being involved and yet still allowing the teenager to make their own decisions and find their own way. And remember as a parent, you know, their brains aren't developed until they're 25 years old. So they still have a long way to go of parenting. And that number scares parents because it's moving up to 30 right now. It's closer to 30. Yes. You know, I, I love what you shared. And I, if I could add, I think one of the things we forget as parents is that teenagers hormones are you know are raging yes the stress they're experiencing outside of our home in schools social situations academics and i find with most of the parents i work with it's a push pull dynamic yes so the child analogy. you know yeah the child as you said you know wants some independence but they're also very young and so at any given moment it can be a push or it can be a pull so as mm-hmm. parents just being ready and open to whatever shows up. You know, I, I call it sometimes these kids are taken over by aliens. We don't realize, <laughs> yes. This is, yes, our child, because like, wait, who are you in this moment? Exactly. That's when they need us most is yes. when the confusion kicks in and during that push-pull dynamic. 
Yes, I agree. I love the push-pull dynamic. I do use that in a lot of my coaching calls to help explain to the teenagers as well, hey, your parents, you know, you're pushing them away and then you're wanting them to be there. So I always try to, you know, have the teenagers learn that as well because then they are like, oh my gosh, you're right. I didn't realize I can be so mean to my mom in one minute. And then the next, I'm like, I need you and I, I need help. And parents are like, who, what just happened? Who, where's my daughter? And so I think parents understanding that as well as the teens and parents talking to the teens about that. Don't be afraid to tell your teenage daughter, hey, when you're like this, I don't know what to do sometimes. Because I think a lot of parents fear they need to have all the answers. And teenagers aren't looking for the perfect parent. They're looking for a parent they can relate to and talk to, like you said, you know, give them the freedom at the same time, have boundaries in place. And the more open communication you can have with your teen to say, you know, help me out here. What, what would you do in this situation? Or this is what I did when I was a teen, you know, teens need that connection and that realness. Absolutely. Absolutely. How can we best support them? Mm-hmm. So one of, one of the topic, topics that is uh, near and dear to my heart is um, healthy body image. And uh, I worked in the field of um, we'll call it healthy body image, but of course it was disorders and uh, for quite some time and really found that this was an area that many are suffering. I mean, not just our teens, but many are suffering. And so, you know, when we talk about this and bringing health and wellness to our bodies, what does that word mean, healthy? And how can we actually create that in our homes and families with our with our tweens and teens? Great question. And this is definitely an area that like yourself, I've done a lot of work with, especially with my background in nutrition and wellness. And I've myself struggled as a teen and as a young adult with what healthy means to me. And I've gone to both spectrums. I've been quote unquote unhealthy where I just didn't care and was more concerned with, you know, feeling good in the moment. And then I've been on the other spectrum where I became really obsessed with health and thought that you had to be perfect to be healthy. So I always use my own experience to share with parents and teens that, you know, there is going to be just like you said, with the push and pull, there is this testing out what healthy means to the teen and they have to experience that um, on a feeling base also versus just how they look. So how I've worked with, especially girls, and I'm not saying teen boys don't struggle in the same way, but I tend to see more insecurity and, um, you know, disordered eating around teenage girls and young women. Surprisingly, a lot of the disordered eating or just the mindset starts in middle school. And so it's very young these days. And that's a lot to do with the exposure to social media and things that they have access to that I didn't see when I was younger in middle school. Um, so a lot of it starts with how the parent approaches food and what wellness is like in the house, because that's really where the teenager spends most of the time. Yes, they go to school and hear about it, but their home base and foundation is the parent, um, parents plural or whatever the home is. And so I think the first step is to look as a parent, what are you, how do you describe wellness? What does healthy mean to you? Are you just focused on it as a food or do you see it as more of your, your life and what you're feeding yourself with your relationships and how satisfied you are with your job? So helping teens see that it's not just about food because then it just becomes so hyper-focused on again, that bad food versus good food. And they aren't connecting it to how they feel or um, in terms of energy it provides and how it fuels their body, not just as a size. 
I love that. And so there's a few things that, that popped up for me. And uh, the, the first is it's a way of life. Mm-hmm. True. And true. And so uh, I can think back, no names mentioned, but I can think back to um, scenarios where, you know, parents I, I have known have had what we call this uh, food drawer or candy closet. And so trying to create health and wellness, you know, quote, health and wellness around the children, but hiding out the, you know, the, the snacks, the mom's yes. snacks or dad's snacks um, somewhere else. And children are way too smart for this thing. They can detect when we have practices that are completely different from what we're preaching. Absolutely. We have to walk the walk and talk the talk. Yes, exactly. And be aware of that. I mean, the first step of that is looking at as yourself as a parent, what is, what do I do in that regard? Where do I still need to work on myself and heal my relationship with food or like we said, the lifestyle aspect, because how I really, um, describe wellness to the teens is your body is the vehicle for which you experience life. You have this one body and that's how you experience going to prom. That's how you experience going to college. That's how you experience being in a movie. All these things that girls and teens want to experience in life. You have to have your body with you. You can't separate from it. So the sooner that you learn to love it and respect it and listen to it, your life will be so much more fulfilling. It's not just about how, again, you want to like how you look and I hope girls take pride in taking care of themselves, but that looks different for each girl. And again, it's the avenue for which they experience life and their happiness overall. So I, again, try to, and parents should see that as well for themselves or not should, I don't like using that word, but they could look at how am I using my body to experience life? Am I using it in a way that makes me feel good? Am I taking care of it to where I feel energized and I can show up as a parent? Am I having fun? All the other things that it's, again, taking away just from the food I'm putting in it, but how are you using it to experience life and be the example you want for your teens? Mm, I love that. Be the example. Let's, um, one of the other things that popped up is a story, uh, just briefly, I'll share I I was just talking about the story the other day. When I was a child, I remember going out with my mother and we were at some bakery in uh, one of the large department stores. And I must have wanted a muffin. And my mother said, you can't have that muffin that has a thousand calories. Mm. I I don't remember having a, a weight issue or being obsessed with food in any way, but I remember the language she used to this day. And it's been a number of years. I'm not revealing my age, but it's been a long time. And so, and it still you know, sticks with you. it still sticks with me that mm-hmm. a muffin has, you know, a thousand calories. And so, you know, I, I share this because I think the other part of this is not just what we do and how we are the example, but words carry weight. Yes. These words carry, carried weight for several decades. <laughs> yes. So, you know, share in your experience, because, you know, you're working with the teens right now, what you see in terms of the words and how, you know, you're seeing those to carry weight both positively and maybe in a negative fashion. Yes, that's a great point. And I'm curious, do you like muffins now? Um, actually, I have a gluten and grain intolerance. Got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but honestly, Sarah, I, I don't remember. I, I think it created an aversion to muffins. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Those are bad. Those are bad. I, like you, do not like the words good and bad. I Mm -hmm. mean, food is food and nutrients and how we choose to put those in our body is about, you know, 
looking at the body as you said, as the vehicle for how we live our life. So definitely. Yeah. So going back to your um, point about the words that it carries, I think with girls, what I see most when I work with um, teens specifically, excuse me, around food or body image is they're taking what they've again, heard from a parent or a TV show, social media, and they're questioning themselves with their beliefs. So again, just like your mom said that you can't have that muffin that has a thousand calories. They'll have a friend who will say that they'll hear it in a movie. And then they start to say, well, is that true? Should I not be eating that? So it causes a lot of disconnect of again, what they should, again, I'll use that because that's how they feel. Should I be doing this? And then they look around them for that affirmation. So they'll look to, you know, Googling how many calories does a muffin have, or they Google their weight. Should I be way less or way more? Um, So what I try to teach them again is if you look, if you're always looking for outside validation or even confirmation, then you're giving your power away. Let's connect to how you feel. And again, going back to foods in terms of energy, not in terms of size and how are you, you know, do you sleep well? Do you wake up energized? Don't go back. Don't look at someone else with what they're saying, because that can be something they learn from their parents. Take that self-awareness to look at how it's affecting them. And then, then they can feel empowered to make a decision or test it out and have them up and see how they feel. Um, so they're taking it into their own control where it's not something that they're continuing to look outside for validation. And this, these are life skills. I mean, yeah. This isn't just a, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking these are skills and empowerment for a young person that can serve them through life. Looking absolutely tapping into their own values, you know, not just about their body, but all sorts of things in life and that self-awareness that is enormous and and can be missing in some of us as adults to be feel empowered and to feel self-aware and really tap into our internal uh, compass, not the mm-hmm. external validation. Absolutely. And I think what girls, you know, when I walk them through what exercise I'll do with them in a coaching session, and I'll, you know, I typically will see them after school or at night, so they've had a full day. And I'll say, okay, Sue, walk me through your day. And they'll walk me through this amazingly busy, jam-packed day that teenagers live these days where their bodies are doing so much and they're accomplishing so much. And I'm like, look at all that you're doing. I mean, give yourself credit for all your body's can do. And teenagers, again, these days, I feel like are a little bit overscheduled, but their schedules sometimes make me feel tired just listening to them. (laughs) So having them understand, of course, you need to feel feel your body. Let's look at things you can do not to take away, but add in. It seems like you're exercising two hours a day with lacrosse practice. Are you getting enough water? Um, If you're staying up till two in the morning and getting four hours of sleep, that will catch up to you. So helping them see that this will only enhance the life that they're living. It's not looking at it from oh, I'm not doing enough. They're actually doing more than enough. And how can they support their body in a busy teenager's life? And as they're, you know, still growing and developing, seeing it as self-care is something that is their responsibility and a parent can support that. But I really, really like the teens to know a parent can't feel what the teen is feeling in their body. They can't, you know, say, okay, well, we were feeling tired, but the teen really has to express that. So parents, again, keeping that open communication, but bringing it back to the teenager self-awareness to, um, like I said, feel their own feelings instead of controlling them with food, focusing on um, appreciating all their bodies can do, only they can feel that. Mm. That That is beautiful. I, you know, connecting to our own bodies is 
is one of the most important things, correct, in terms mm-hmm. of moving forward. So when you're working with these teen girls, I'm curious as to what aha moments look like for mm. them. So, I mean, this must be such a heartwarming feeling for you working with some of these teens and seeing them able to move forward with a sense of, you know, high self-esteem or higher than when they came to you and empowerment. Yes. So can you describe some of the aha moments that perhaps you've seen recently? And your Yes. I love that idea. And I do use that word in my coaching aha moments, because then it relates back to them having that moment for themselves. And I would say one of, I have a couple that pop in my mind. One of my clients um, has gone through what I like to call gritty moments, hard things in life. And this past year has been difficult for her. And now she's coming out the other side, not where it's perfect, quote unquote. But she told me the other day, oh my gosh, I'm able to look back on where I was and see how far I've come to, to see the strength that I've had. And I, she was blown away that she can actually do that. And she never had experienced that before. And I think that's what I tell a lot of parents is these firsts that kids have or teens have, they don't have that perspective yet to say, oh, remember that one time I got over this? They're going through their first hard time or first heartbreak or first anything. And so when they have that connection, a perspective to look back and build their self-esteem and confidence of I got through that as an aha moment. That's something you can't take away from them because they experienced it. And that shows that their brain is able to process that what they did to get through that is what they can do again in the future. So that one was huge for me. Um, Another one, I think with a girl that I was working with again with more body image, she, you know, gets stuck in the comparison trap, which I think we all do. And teenage girls are comparing themselves more to these standards online, which as a teen, again, I won't reveal my age, but there was no social media when I was a teenager. The only influence I had was magazines and that wasn't, you know, something that was around me all the time. So I think the comparison these days is harder for girls to navigate because it's just in their face all the time. And I had a client who said, um, you know, we had thought about unfollowing people on social media that made her feel crappy. Like, why are you following all these online you know, celebrities or influencers that make you feel less than. And so she unfollowed anyone that made her feel less or just kind of had that icky feeling when she would look at it, that she wasn't doing enough. And that aha moment was realizing that was her choice, right? She was choosing to follow these people. And so she also had the choice to unfollow and that is taking the power because, you know, social media isn't going anywhere. So it's, nothing I like to blame teenagers unhappiness on because there's a lot they can do to control it. And again, the aha moment was her recognizing that she was contributing by following these accounts to her unhappiness. Wow. And taking that control is a huge, huge choice and, and empowering feeling to take that control back. Yes. So in, in hearing these beautiful aha moments, and I, I love the first one you shared because, you know, moving through gritty moments and seeing our growth and seeing our strength through them, because there are hard moments in life and those aren't going to go away as our kids grow up. I think that really helps hold on to the image and the I can do it yes. feeling yes. that these children are, are developing. Yes. So, and from a parent perspective, sorry to interrupt, parents can also uh, circle back to that and say, Sue, do you remember how good you felt when you got through that? So it's not just saying parents, you know, Hey, I believe in you, Sue, you can do it. You link back the feeling that they felt 
and validate that, which is a parent's, you know, that's what I always kind of teach parents. It has to be going back to what the teenager feels. Of course, it's beautiful that you believe in them too, but what if you could connect them remembering that they believed in themselves? Oh, absolutely. You're speaking my language. The child, <laughs> I love it. The child has to own it. We have to yes. encourage the child to own it. So I want to circle back to social media in just, you know, a brief uh, way, because I think this is really important. Um, your story about this young person who was able to, you know, first choose to follow and then choose to unfollow. So she felt better taking control. If we don't have a teenager that is seeing that or is aware of that, from a parent's perspective, what do you encourage parents to do to support kids or, you know, young young women mm -hmm. in, in terms of social media and social media practices? What are the yes. few guidelines is, you can offer to our listening parents? First, which I think we mentioned just in the beginning, have open discussions with your teens about what they feel in regards to society pressures and just so you can understand what's influencing them the most and how these standards of beauty online are making them feel. First, you have to understand, you know, what they're feeling because a lot of times moms will talk to girls and girls will say, well, I wasn't really feeling that way. This is how I see it. So start with an open discussion and ask the teen, you know, how, how do you feel about social media? How is it influencing your life? Do you feel it's a positive thing? Get them to give feedback so you're not pushing your own, your own insecurities onto them. Mm -hmm. And um, so at home, you know, talk openly about their social experiences. Most of social experiences that teens have now are through the internet. Communication, um, seeing what people have done on the weekends, everything is online. And so it's a different experience than parents saying like, oh, how was hanging out with your friend this weekend? You have to really ask them about their social experience online. And then to that regard, ask what pressure they feel. Do they feel they need to fit in with, again, how they look? Do they feel like they need to post certain things to get more likes that really aren't authentic or true to their values? And once they share how they're feeling, then the parents can kind of come up with a game plan together with the teen to navigate that. So XYZ, if the teen said, yeah, I do feel this pressure to conform. Then you have that open discussion of what realistic standards look like and how comparison makes you feel and what you've done as a parent to navigate that and, you know, remind them of their uniqueness and all the strengths they have. So, you, you know, once you understand where they're struggling, then you can problem solve. And then I would say um, a lot of social media girls, teens, young women, even boys use as a coping mechanism. So they'll go online to numb out or to distract themselves, to see, you know, someone else having a better life or worse life if they want to make themselves feel better. So thirdly, I would say parents help explore healthy coping methods for emotions that they feel. So they're not using social media as a way to escape. Um, so again, that's more other options for self-regulation and helping teens understand that that numbing process, because it's become so, oh, I'll just pick up my phone and something will distract me, is taking away from that learning opportunity to actually feel their emotions. Mm. What great uh, helpful tips. And all of them seem to revolve around connection, around the strong mm. bond that we have with our children. 
and how important that connection is to be able to have these open dialogues and yes. conversations. And one of the words that I think um, is great to use in these conversations, and correct me if you don't agree, but it's one of my favorite words in, in coaching and in life, is I'm curious how, or I'm mm. curious what the pressure of social media feels like, or I'm curious if you find yourself caught up in comparisons, or because it doesn't assume that our yes. children are there, although, you know, we can probably guess that they are because 99.9% .9 of kids, you know, end up in this in a little way, shape, or form. So, you know, the, the word curious just softens and brings neutrality. Yes, that's, I love that. And that's a word I use in my coaching all the time because I'm not perfect and assuming I know. I'm like, tell me more. Like, I'm curious that, yes, asking questions, not in an annoying way. Teens will say my mom asked too many questions. So right. learn, you know, again, teens are actually very, they're more self-aware than we think if we give them an option to share and if we listen and then give them even the option to give a solution. So I have an exercise I do with parents and, and um, their child or teen and, you know, parents are, will say, well, she does this and it annoys me. And then the teen has to come up with a solution. So if your parents are frustrated with this, what's something that instead of the parents having the solution, the teen has the solution mm -hmm. and vice versa. If the teens are like, Oh, my parents are, you know, a big one is they ask too many questions, which, you know, we think is a way of connecting. So I say, okay, well, if you, if that's really hard for you to connect, if they ask questions, what would you rather them do? Help your parents, like help them, help them succeed. Um, well, maybe we could go do something together and they could just listen or we could have an activity. So have the teenager give, show you as a parent how to connect because absolutely they, they know, but yeah. most of the time parents, and again, this is not a bad thing. It's just how we're wired is we think, oh, I'm going to carve out this time and we're going to connect and this is how it's going to be without even asking and getting the teens input. If that's something that makes them feel comfortable or connect, or like you said, are you coming from a curious place or are you coming from a controlling place? Yeah. And connection is about two people coming together mm. and what serves them both. And so yes. seeing our children clearly and what works and learning from them, as you so beautifully pointed out, just as we're teaching our children, they're teaching us. And so exactly. being open to that connection in that way that we're going to learn more about our kids based on what's working for them and what's not. Yes. So beautiful. So one thing I just, I'm sure you would agree that as parents, it's important that we're modeling healthy ways to connect with social media and to look at our own experiences in terms of, are we numbing? You know, is that being used as a coping skill in our own life? Or are we using social media in a way that we're modeling the behaviors we want to see in our children? Absolutely. That's probably the toughest part about being a parent these days is it's, you know, we're all as parents and adults wrapped up in a lot of the same pressures from social media or this technology addiction and teens see that. So if you're practicing something that you're, you know, the preach and practice aren't congruent, then they're not going to follow what you're doing. So being a good role model isn't just telling them what to do, right? It's actually living that way. And, um, parents, I think have a lot of pressure on themselves to be these perfect parents because there is a lot on their plate. So don't be afraid to talk to your teen about, hey, this is how I'm practicing self-care. Hey, I also struggle with picking up my phone when I shouldn't or when we're having a conversation, I'm distracted. Be human with them and then show them the ways that you're working on correcting that or growing through that just like they're going to be doing. 
Um, but yes, teens will, like you said in the beginning, they do listen to the words and that influences them. But I am a believer that they watch and are more influenced by what you do than what you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. L- a long time ago, it used to be do what I say, not what I do. I still hear <laughs> I my mother saying that. I know. Those days are long gone because they're, they they're are. actually watching mm-hmm. and observing and seeing that candy closet and <laughs> exactly. all those other things. So, but you know, one thing I, I this is a beautiful episode. I think that lots of our parents uh, listening can connect with. And I think one of the most important things to take away too is be gentle with yourself as a parent. Because this is hard. It's not about perfection. We don't always know all the answers. And so it's really important to take good care of yourself and to be gentle with yourself as you're going on this journey of working and raising and walking, you know, through life with these beautiful souls. It's so much. I think that's why I'm so happy you have this outlet for parents to listen to that it's, you know, they have to give themselves more credit than I think parents do give themselves these days. And the expectations that are, you know, the parents put on themselves a lot of times to produce this, you know, perfect child, or, you know, that is something that they can really take a step back and look at what am I, what is like normal stress that teenagers are going through that they're dealing with all my teens, you know, getting into something that's kind of dangerous or tried drinking for the first time. Yes, that is something to be stressed about. But other things that teens do, parents take on that stress because, you know, they're wanting it to be different, or they are, trying to control it. And then that takes up their time of their self-care and they're wrapped up in the teenager's life and they forget to live their own life. And Mm -hmm. that I think is, you know, the whole helicopter parent or the, the new one I've heard is the, um, snow plow parent. So you go before your kids and you plow all the snow perfectly. So there's this paved path for them just to walk into this easy life. And, you know, you have to, (laughs) number one, that's not going to help them in life, but you know, clear your own path first. You have to have that for you before you can help your child. So I think a lot of what parents, again, need to hear, like you said, is the self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-care for them. And I know it might feel selfish, but trust me that teenagers respect and see that as a strength more than a weakness. Absolutely. And it models that we all should be taking care of ourselves, no matter how old we are, whether we're two, 13, 50, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Sarah, tell, uh, share with me and of course with our listeners, where can people find you? Yes. So I, as you mentioned, have my own coaching company called The Real Girl Lifestyle and that's therealgirllifestyle.com. So that's where all my information is on my coaching programs. And then the foundation that I run, um, which we mentioned in the beginning, the Grace Bigert Foundation, that can be, that's a website that shows the scholarship information as well as the programs we do nationwide for girls to learn about grit. And that's gracedbygrit.com. So those are the two places uh, you can find me. Awesome. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on the show and having you share all the incredible knowledge and wisdom that you have in working with our teen girls, as well as their parents. Thank you. It has been my honor to be here with you. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. And remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.